This edition of Outcasting will begin in a few moments. Like all public radio stations, WDFH depends on financial support from our listeners. Please visit WDFH.org and click on Donate to make your tax-deductible gift. Shows like this can't be done without your support. Thanks, and now, Outcasting. This is Outcasting, the Lower Hudson River Valley's only youth-run radio show, dealing with LGBTQ, struggles, triumphs, lifestyles, and favorite adolescent motifs. Well, you don't have to be queer to be here. Outcasting is a production of Westchester Public Radio, WDFH-FM 90.3, in Ossining, New York, and on the net at WDFH.org. I'm George. On this edition of Outcasting, we look at the We Are the Youth project. We Are the Youth is a photographic journalism project chronicling the lives of lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender youth in the United States. Hi, I'm Travis. I'm joined today by Diana Scholl and Laurel Golio from We Are the Youth. Thank you so much for joining me. Yes, thank you yes. for having us. Yes, thank you for having us. All righty, so... Why did you choose to tell the stories of LGBTQ youth? Well, first of all, I'll tell you a little origin story of how we started. Laurel is a photographer, and I'm a journalist. And Laurel had the idea to photograph LGBT youth. And she just asked, she just mentioned it to me. And I said, oh, maybe I could also like get the backstories. And then I did. And <laughs> I'm a journalist, so I write up the stories of the youth that we chronicle. And it all goes together. But the reason we picked LGBT youth is because... It's a very important and crucial time for LGBT youth, both in history and in the moments of their lives. Historically, things are changing so fast. People didn't even mention LGBT youth the same way when we were in high in school, high school yeah. less, uh, like about 10 years ago. So I think people will look at our project as an archive in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years and say, I can't imagine it was like this. So that's why we picked LGBT youth, why we took the LGBT part. The reason we picked youth is because things change. It's also a crucial time in the lives. Teenagehood, I guess, if that's the right word, <laughs> is a crucial time in the lives of people. Um, they're able – things change so fast there as well. So we're really capturing a very specific moment in very specific lives. I was always interested in photographing teenagers just because – you know, as a group, they're kind of like a dynamic, interesting, fun, exciting group. Um, so, yeah, it just kind of happened really organically, um, and we decided to do it, and the rest is history, I guess. So you guys have been doing this since June 2010? Yeah, exactly. June, yep, June mm-hmm. 2010. And how, how many uh, people have you profiled so far? Um, close to 50 almost. Yeah, we have some things, like, happening currently, but I think published, we've published about 40, and maybe... Yeah. Yeah, between yeah, 40 and 50, 40 right? Between 40 and 50, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you, are there any other groups of kids or groups of people that you want to tackle besides LGBT youth, or is it just like one group mm-hmm. that seems interesting? We're looking into doing a project of incarcerated youth. Or formerly incarcerated. Former, or formerly incarcerated. Mm-hmm. We're at the very, very, very early stages of that. And that might start with LGBT formerly incarcerated youth, but it may expand to just, to encompass all formerly incarcerated youth, because we think that's another population that also is. Um, very dynamic, and there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of stories to tell there. Yeah, a lot of forgotten stories and voices. I think that don't get heard. So, yeah. all right, that sounds excellent. And so, what kind of stories have you heard so far doing 
uh, projects with LGBT youth? Oh man, everything! <laughs> yeah, everything. everything, everything from like gut wrenching, sad, sad <laughs> stories to really wonderful, lighthearted, you know, kind of happy, exciting new loves and new crushes and prom and typical teenage stuff. Yeah, so I think it's run the gamut. It may sound a little cliche, but it's hard to stereotype because even if everyone has something in common that they're all lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, or somewhere on that spectrum, everyone's story is so different. Yeah. And we we also, I mean, obviously, like, because it's, you know, profiling LGBT youth, that's a big part of each profile. But, um, you know, we, we like to make it more about the person and not so much like this kid is gay and that's all we're going to talk about. It's kind of like, who are you? What are you doing? What's important to you? So. I, I think the most interesting kids being, uh, you probably agree with me, being lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender is sometimes the least inter- interesting thing about them mm-hmm, when they mm-hmm. have so much else going on in their lives. Or So, yeah, it's, it runs the gamut. Yeah. Have you noticed any themes between kids? Like you hear the or similar things between multiple kids or yeah. is everyone just so unique? Um, we hear themes. Yeah, there's a lot of similar <laughs> we we joke a lot that there's a curse of Wadi. Um, that's what we call it colloquially. Uh, Wadi, um, Wadi is what we call we are the youth just among ourselves. Yeah. That I think just teenagers in general, relationships tend to be pretty fickle. So, yeah, so I'll, I'll interview <laughs> someone and then a month, two months later, we'll be ready to publish the profile. I'll call the follow up. They'll be like, it's great. But me and so-and-so broke up. Yeah. <laughs> so, this is like the love of their life. They're engaged. So Yeah. Two engagements have been broken since... We started. Unfortunately, yeah. But love. Oh love is a common theme. Love is a common theme. Um, <laughs> I think family. I mean, we, mm-hmm. people, a lot of people's families are very accepting. A lot of people's aren't. But I think caring what your family thinks is definitely a common theme. Mm-hmm. I think when we were in this, we went on the, a trip to the South, which in last year, where we went to Georgia, Alabama, and Mississippi, and their religion was a very common theme yeah, that came up. Yeah, religion is a big theme there. Less so in the New York area. I mean, it does come up, but less often as it did in the South. Yeah. Gender comes up a lot in a way we didn't see when we were kids that we talk about That's a lot. True, yeah. Is just the spectrum. We made a lot more transgender kids, especially F to M's, than mm-hmm. we would have met. 10 years ago. Yeah. So that's interesting in hearing people's journeys. And- or even, you know, gender neutral, gender fluid, non rejecting gender altogether. It's like we, I mean, even like when we were in high school, we didn't so much talk about gender amongst us, I guess. Yeah. Anyway. So I, I think for us, even though we're 27, 26, we, it feels, that's a, it feels for us, it yeah. feels generational. We feel a little bit old when we hear kids talk about gender in a way that we weren't used to when we were in high school. Yeah. Do you feel like you could create a whole project just about uh, transgender youth? Oh, yeah. Probably, yeah. I mean, I think I, – I mean, it's not that it didn't – obviously, people were talking about it and, like, I knew a few transgender kids when we were in high school um, and in college. But it, I think it's mostly, like, um, almost every – I feel like almost every youth that we interview, if it's not directly related to their life, they, they've thought about gender, how it relates to them or, like, you know, in the general idea of, you know, gender and sexuality combined or not combined or – really their thoughts on it so yeah. and i also ask a lot of questions about that just because i'm interested in it so i hear the different thought processes and it's interesting the way people have thought about gender in ways i never would have even thought about all righty and you mentioned that you took a trip to the south so you're based out of uh brooklyn yes. uh yeah we both live in brooklyn so we're based out of new york yep mm-hmm. are you trying to kind of do more stories that aren't in the northeast area because looking at your yes. map <laughs> on your website there's a lot of little 
purple dots. Yeah, that's that mostly uh, funding funding related. Yeah. Um, we did a lot of fundraising when we went before we went to the South um, and did Alabama, Georgia, Mississippi, and that was a really great, wonderful trip for us. Um, but mostly, it's just been kind of time constraints and funding constraints. Yeah. So we just do the Northeast because it's easily accessible for us. Um, but we're <laughs> we're, we're working to expand. Yeah, in the, in the fall, we're hoping to take another trip. Um, and we also both have full time jobs where we're working. Uh, you know, this is our I love I mean, project. Yeah, I love project. <laughs> so we can't, you know, we don't have the time or the money to go everywhere we would like to, but we are hoping to slowly expand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just you guys going around the country. Just or... the two of us. Yeah. I mean, we we definitely have a lot of help, um, but, you know, I do all the photographs and Diana does all the interviews for sure. Um, and we have, you know, a few interns here and there kind of sporadically and lots of help from friends and yeah. coworkers and colleagues. So. People have been very generous with their time. We have at least two graphic designers who have helped us. Yeah. And just donate their time. And... And I don't know. Like, um, there's just been a lot of – everyone wants to help. Mm-hmm. So going back to kind of individual stories, are there any that kind of stick out in your mind or is it like children where every one of them is can't be your favorite? I love Audrey's story. Oh, from Mississippi. We had one the stick it's I'm not saying it's my favorite. <laughs> All my children are wonderful. No, but definitely some stories have yeah. some stuck significance out. Yeah. or absolutely. Audrey was a girl who is a girl who lives in um Laurel, Mississippi, actually. And she had to – she was bullied so much that she was dropped out – she dropped out of school and was homeschooled. And she really just became an activist. She became a gay rights yeah, activist. At the age of like 14, 15. Yeah. yeah. And it's remarkable what she's done and hearing her story. And we also went to her home, which was special seeing where she came from. And it was it was awesome. And also that story, we've you know, we've gotten – our stories have gone different places. And that one was on Jezebel, which is a popular blog. And it was really, I think, heartening seeing everyone's reaction to that. Mm-hmm. So and many support, people, yeah. so many support. People are like, "Wow, this is such an amazing girl! Such an amazing girl!" All the things we saw about her, it was heartening seeing how much her story touched other people as well. And oh, um, Elliot, mm. we recently spoke to someone. His name was Elliot, and he just had a remarkable history. He'd mm-hmm. been in juvenile. Yeah, he was uh, a formerly incarcerated. And that, I think that, he had, that kind that of sparked, sparked our idea. Yeah, our interest. Yeah. Of wanting to profile. Sure. I think I, I just read him. Yeah. He's yeah. 21. It was the black yeah, and white Yeah, he's 21. Yeah, and he's been in and out of the system for years. And um, it was just a really interesting experience because he's, like, the sweetest dude you'll ever meet. Like, very soft-spoken, so friendly. And then you hear this kind of, like, gut-wrenching, remarkable story. Um, and, it, I mean, I speak for myself, but it really, like, blew my mind. And it was wonderful mm-hmm. to hear, you know, that he was willing to share that with us. So that was really special. So what sort of person gets uh, – like what sort of person would get interviewed for the project? So Elliot, I read his story, uh, is not LGBT. Mm. Is that correct? Um, or, I don't know. But, well, uh, I mean no, we, he is, he is he, LGBT. Yeah, he is. He's definitely in the spectrum. He's um, in the spectrum and we, I don't think we can say any more just because things were cut. But he's in the spectrum of LGBT. Yeah. We don't – I mean we don't like to discriminate but if someone identifies as straight or – we we won't profile them. That's basically um, our, for the most part. That's only that's our only, only criteria. They can't, as long they as can't identify as 100 percent straight, yeah. and they have to be 21 or under. And other than that, you are in. Yeah, you can really like you want to express yourself or identify yourself or not identify yourself in any way. It's totally fine, and we support that. Um, but yeah, we just kind of ask that. Um, you know, like we're really trying to spotlight and show like a diverse group. LGBT spectrum using a queer umbrella yeah. umbrella term. So. so I don't know if we want to talk about that, but we've gone through a lot of back and forth deciding if we're going to be LGBT, 
LGBT, LGBTQ. There's a lot of, <laughs> as you know, there's a lot of different acronyms floating around. Yeah. And we've, we focus on LGBT because we didn't want to alienate anyone. Um, when we originally, our project said queer youth. And when we went to the South, we heard a lot of people say that queer was a word they didn't appreciate. Yeah. Even of our generation, I, I mostly thought that was, at first we kind of got um, some feedback from older older generations saying, my, my grandma especially, <laughs> was not all about that word and didn't quite understand where it came from. Um, but yeah, even like people our age and younger people that we met in the South were definitely not comfortable with the use of queer and identifying as queer. So we've talked about that a lot. Yeah, just even working on the show, talking to my parents, talking to other adults, they're kind of surprised by the way queer has kind of been taken back and mm-hmm. yeah. changing. Yeah, for sure. We're talking today with Diana Scholl and Laurel Golio, founders of We Are the Youth, to talk about their project and more on this edition of Outcasting. What's the process for getting a story? Like, how do you contact them? How do you find people to interview? Um, it, it really has happened pretty naturally. I know that sounds kind of like, does it really happen naturally? But it, it actually happens very naturally. Um, a lot of kids reach out to us, mostly through email or Facebook or sometimes Twitter, but mostly email and Facebook um, and say they're interested and they want to participate. A lot of times it's, you know, we'll meet someone who maybe is the head of a gay straight alliance or the head of some community group and they have 20 friends that want to get involved and we might meet with, you know, six at the end of the day. Um but yeah, it just it kind of is just like natural networks that expand and and we've gone to the first thing we ever did, which you were I, I heard you participated in, was the gay prom in Westchester, and that was where we got a, our first group of kids, and we just took a lot of pictures there. Laurel, Laurel took a lot of pictures there, and from there we followed up with people, and that was our first network. And then yeah. we just hound people. That's yeah, how we got we, those we're, we're good at stalking people. <laughs> so we just, just get people, and, and also um, like we sometimes we decide like. Okay, for instance, we just received a grant to profile um, youth in Brooklyn. So we were thinking, who do we want to profile? We don't want to profile everyone from the same neighborhood or the same school. Mm-hmm. So we were starting making a list. Okay, it would be great to get someone from this neighborhood or someone who comes from this background. And then we actively seek people who are connected to those groups or demographics in order to find the people that we want to speak to. Yeah, we really want to stress um, I mean, not just kind of a collaborative project, but also like really stress the idea of diversity in lots of different ways. Um, yeah. But that's something that's always been really important to us. So we are striving still to really like paint an inclusive yeah. portrait. Yeah. And has the project been spreading just through like social media and just word of mouth? Have you guys done uh, like uh, advertising of any kind or has no. it just been... Yeah, mostly mostly natural. Yeah, we've gotten um, we've actually been really lucky and met some wonderful people who just you know volunteered to spotlight us on blogs or um, in newspapers or it's it's mostly been really natural and wonderful. Just people we've reached out to or they heard about our project on Facebook or you know a friend they knew is involved. Yeah, I agree. It's been very organic. We've yeah, I think Facebook's the number one source if we look how how people find us. Also Google and we yes we've. We reached, especially at the beginning, we reached out to a lot of um, blogs and news sources, and we're in contact with that, but we haven't paid any money for advertising. Mm -hmm. That's very good. And what goes into the creation of a profile? Um, In terms of like the full, you want the full rundown? How do you, like, how do you know what goes into it, what doesn't go Mm -hmm. into it? Um, We try and keep it like pretty loose for the most part. Um, Usually we'll do it together. Sometimes Diana will follow up on the phone and do an interview, but usually we'll meet with the participant, um, you know, at their house or at a coffee shop or just at the park 
um, and kind of just hang out with them, you know, for maybe like two hours. And Diana asks a million questions. Yeah, I usually um, talk to someone like I'd say 40 minute interview. It depends. Yeah, sometimes on the phone, sometimes in person. And I'll take everything and put it into a narrative. So not everything that's said obviously gets in the profile, but I'll piece things together so it sounds organic. And then I'll email the youth and see and get them their approval. And sometimes they'll say, Oh, like, don't mention this person. We got in a fight. <laughs> Take out that name. It's usually yeah. about it's usually just drama as yeah. opposed to things that are I don't know, things that seem per- a lot of the personal things people don't care about. Don't mind. Out. It's usually <laughs> just I don't, I don't want this person to be upset, which is totally normal. And so we get approval and then We'll post it on our website with and Laurel. Choose, Laurel also takes a lot of photos and then yeah, choose. I try and just let that happen organically too. I mean, mostly it's just hanging out and kind of walking around with the participant and um, just seeing kind of what they're into. I mean, we I know we've said this before, but we really do like to stress the collaborative aspect. So if someone is like, "I love skateboarding," and like, "Bring your skateboard," you know, let's do it up, take some photos. That's right. pretty much how and it goes. For the process of kind of taking someone's life or their mm-hmm. story, like. How exactly do you figure out what to condense into just a few paragraphs? Yeah, I, especially as I've done more and more of these, I'm trying to get rid of some of the exposition and some of the explaining. This person did this and then we went here and then we did that. So I'm trying to think about what makes this person unique but also relatable to someone else. More about emotions and less about things that happened and less the thing that happened is so mind-blowing. On the website, we don't have a word limit. So I try to keep it manageable just so people keep reading but i don't um but it's not a word limit whereas now we're gonna when we do a show or we have something that's in paper it has to cut it down and that's harder because then there's something <laughs> then that i share everything yeah, yeah there's something that i put in for a reason and then having to take that out is more difficult but i think it seems to happen naturally i try to figure out themes when people are talking if they're talking about family then i'll yeah. put that all together if they're talking about school i'll put that all together and it doesn't it happens more naturally than you may think. Yeah. Also, sometimes, like, it, it seems evident, you know, as the participant is explaining their story or sharing a certain aspect, like, what's very important to them or what was, you know, kind of hard for them or traumatic or exciting and wonderful. So, you know, I think, like, it's a mix of them dictating what's important to them and, you know, Diana kind of figuring out yeah. how to share a narrative. Really, uh, Yeah, and I've just been working as a journalist for years, so I know how to... <laughs> At the old age uh, of 27. Well, I've, I've probably interviewed... A thousand people? Yeah. Maybe. Like, I started when I was in high school, you know, so... In eighth grade. Eighth, eighth grade? Your survivor, survival uh, blog. Yeah, but anyway, <laughs> we... Yeah, so I just know, you know, it's almost like improv. You're supposed to, yes, and. You have to... I have to listen to what they're saying and what makes... What seems to have more? Because sometimes people will be uncomfortable, but you kind of have to push through. <laughs> like push them you push until through until they're. And you know, I, I always say at the beginning of interviews, if I'm if I'm asking anything that's uncomfortable to you, you don't have to answer it, and I don't push if they say no. But I also, if they are, I will keep pushing. If I, she's not afraid that, to ask the hard. Questions. I'm not afraid to ask the hard. It's like Katie Curry. Yeah. No, but it's it's true. You kind of have. I think a lot of times people don't want to ask hard questions or don't feel comfortable talking about sex or talking about gender or talking about different things. And I can tell if someone's really ambivalent to talking about certain things, and I won't push. But if I see there's something in there, then I will keep going. <laughs> Go after it. This is Travis, and we're talking today with Diana Scholl and Laurel Golio, founders of We Are the Youth, to talk about their project and more on this edition of Outcasting. So tell me about the response to the project. What have people been saying about it? 
Um, Obviously, it's been very positive. We love it. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's been really great. Um, I think for me, at least, like that's been one of the most rewarding things about doing this project. Is every once in a while we'll get like a really wonderful email, or even you know just like following up with someone we interviewed a year ago. Dana actually spoke to a participant today um, who we had met. Oh yeah, this almost is a year. Yeah, almost yeah, a year ago. Michelle was, like, really was wonderful. Profiled. She's going to be in our exhibit at Leslie Loman. So I just followed up and told her, just so you know, this is really exciting. You're going to be well. We're going to be in the window, Leslie Lemon. She calls me back and tells me that her she's living with her father now. She had been but homeless out, and yeah, been kicked out, out of her home, her and now she was back with a different part of her family because she lived with her mother and her stepfather, but living with her father now in Alabama. So it's nice hearing, you know, kind of yeah. Keep we, we definitely yeah. try and keep in touch. Yeah. Um, and another nice story that I think about sometimes is um, when we were in the South. One of our people we got to know well was the president of the Gay Straight Alliance at Mercer College, which is Mercer University, which is a Christian school in the South. And this guy was just wonderful, really. Yeah, so good. Every, I don't know. And we've kept in touch. And he emailed me that he got an email from someone who was closeted in high school, gay, and was yeah. going to Mercer. He knew he was going to Mercer the next year and was flipping out because someone told him Mercer was really homophobic. And then he just Googled Mercer gay or something like that <laughs> and saw that he found this kid Noah's profile about, you know, what a wonderful time he'd had being president of the Gay Straight Alliance at Mercer. And he's like, thank you. I'm going to find you next year. I'm so happy to know that this is a welcoming school. Yeah, that definitely yeah. feels nice. And we haven't had any – we've never had any anti-gay remarks or anything. No, I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, yeah it's been pretty positive. I think we've been reaching people who – yeah, we've been reaching people that already support. That's excellent to hear. And tell me about the teen night that you did in Brooklyn last. Oh. Was that that was January? Yeah, uh, January twelfth. Yeah, um, we were contacted by um, the director of the teen programming there, um, and they do a teen night. I think it's every month they do it. Um, and where was this? It was at the Brooklyn Museum. Brooklyn Museum. In, in Brooklyn. <laughs> um, and so we kind of teamed up with them and organized um, a teen night which included the bands and this guy who's like a hip-hop voguing specialist and he kind of like showed everyone how to vogue which was really fun um and we also did a we are the youth photo booth and took a lot of photos there and um are now actually in the process of following up with a lot of those kids who live in brooklyn um as part of our brooklyn series but yeah it was a really wonderful night and experience and and just to add it was connected to hide seek which is an exhibit that is um of LGBT youth art. So, no, sorry, not youth, not youth LGBT like art. So every month, Themes, yeah. every month they have a theme that's related to their floating exhibit. So this month, because it was a queer art exhibit, they had a queer related teen night. So uh, how many people came to this event? Um, I think, oh, yeah, definitely over 150, I think, was the count um, by the end of the night. It's a so, great turnout. Yeah, great we were turnout. so excited. We were so, we were so nervous, but we were really excited. And people came from all over, and it was a really good mix of people, and it was a great night. Yeah, it was just – everything was positive. It was really wonderful. That's great to hear. So where do you see the project going in the future? Do you want to – is this kind of something that you want to do forever? Is it – Yeah, do you see like <laughs> Do you see like a definitive end to it? Uh, we've Yeah, we've never really said there's any definitive end. Um I mean, I think we've, we've mostly kind of kept the lines of communication definitely between the two of us because we're old friends, um, has always been open. And so I think, like, we've always been really open to the ideas of kind of evolving into new things or expanding. Um, I don't know. Personally, for me, like, I'm still really excited about yeah. everything we're doing. So for me, I feel like there's still a lot more to 
to explore. But Yeah, it's exciting because it keeps going in different directions and directions we never imagined. But once it happens, it feels so Yeah, wild. we're like, oh, this is, this is and, like, perfect. Yeah, so, it's, just ha- it's been wonderful and it's happened really organically. And I just feel like everything else, like when we, when we realize it's done, if we realize it's done, we'll know. Mm-hmm. But right now we're continuing and keeping going in new directions. Yeah. Oh, that's very exciting. I'm very interested. I read you guys' Tumblr. Mm-hmm. And what what do you sort of use for your Tumblr? Because at Outcasting, we have a Tumblr, and all we do is just post information, like uh, podcasts of the show and information. But mm-hmm. what kind of – what do you guys use your Tumblr uh, we're for? We're constantly learning we're and trying to figure out how to use this Tumblr. This is not the way we felt old. <laughs> yeah. We were like, what is Tumblr? So – but no, I think we, we both update. We both we both do everything with social networking, but yeah. we both update. If we see an article that looks interesting, if we see a photo that looks interesting, we try to think what would people who are interested in We Are the Youth also be interested in. Mm-hmm. And that's how we go with all our social networking and all our things that aren't specifically project related. Like if you care about We Are the Youth, would you care about this? Yeah, an article or sometimes we, you know, we'll repost older profiles that we've done that, you know, probably haven't been seen just because they're, they're older, but yeah, we're we're still figuring out how to use that that Tumblr machine. It's exciting though because that's how we gain new followers and we meet people too. We've um, connected with different people via Twitter and Facebook and Tumblr. Actually, the Brooklyn Museum, the woman who runs the teen education program, she found us on Twitter and sent us a message. So that's how it first evolved. Sounds like an excellent advice for. People doing projects. It's yeah, the internet. Media. The internet yes. is the way to go. We are in crazy. Wait, well, this, this project would not. We talk about this all the time. This project would not have been able to exist without the internet, and would not have been able mm-hmm. to exist without social media. Yeah, definitely. it's only because so many people have heard about it and are able to spread it among themselves that mm-hmm. it's been successful. Yeah, I think also that's one of the things. Um, that's been special for us about the project, just kind of the idea that, like, you know, we'll get emails sometimes from a youth in, like, I don't know, Tennessee or, like, a you know, a place far from where we are and very different um, in terms of, like, the social landscape. And, you know, it's it's nice to think about kind of more isolated youth reaching out and feeling like they're reading something that they can relate to or they don't know anything about or they do know something about. Yeah. So and that was one of the goals to start. You know, we wanted and we still believe we want youth to feel not so alone mm-hmm. and by seeing these profiles. And that's also why we care about diversity is because maybe yeah, you don't relate to one to story, but yeah. you might relate to another one. And I think that's one, that's definitely one audience. The other audience is, it's interesting to me, like some of my friends or people have talked to me, people who are not gay or queer, sometimes will read the profile like, mm-hmm. oh, I never, I never would have thought that. It's so interesting to hear the story. So being able to really bring this to a new audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. All right, and I noticed that you're now on your Tumblr submitting your allowance. Yes, we just added a new feature um, where you can share your story. This is – we're kind of working out the kinks, but um, that spawned from kind of the desire to reach actually a lot of those people that were emailing us from like Tennessee or, you know, California, Portland, and we couldn't get to right now even though we plan to in the future. Um, So we thought that would probably be a good way to to reach out and let people submit whatever they want to submit, a photo or a paragraph or two about themselves, um, and hopefully we can reach them in person later on. But for now, it seemed like a good alternative. Artie, do you want to briefly explain how that works for anyone that would want to try that? Sure. Uh, yeah, there's a share your story um, link. It's not really a button, but just a link on the Tumblr. Um, and if you click it, you can submit um, a paragraph or two or thoughts and feelings you know, about yourself and your community. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Artie, we have been talking with Diana Scholl and Laura Golio 
from We Are the Youth, and we've been discussing their project and documenting the stories of lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender youth here on Outcasting, where you don't have to be queer to be here. You can find We Are the Youth online at wearethe-youth.org and follow them on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and Flickr. Mm-hmm. In addition, you can find links to We Are the Youth on Outcasting's page, outcasting.wdfh.org, or follow our blog, outcasting.tumblr.com. Thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for having us. That's it for this edition of Outcasting, the Lower Hudson Valley's only youth-run radio show dealing with LGBTQ struggles, triumphs, lifestyles, and favorite adolescent motifs, where you don't have to be queer to be here. If you are having trouble, whether it's at home, at school, or just with yourself, call the Trevor Hotline at 866-488-7386 or visit them online at thetrevorproject.org. The Trevor Project is an organization dedicated to LGBTQ youth suicide prevention. Again, the number is 866-488-7386. Being different isn't a reason to hate or hurt yourself. Outcasting is a production of Westchester Public Radio, WDFH-FM 90.3, Austin, New York, and on the net at WDFH.org. For more information on this program and a list of resources, including the Trevor Project Suicide Hotline, visit us at WDFH.org and click on Outcasting. I'm George. Thanks for joining us. Tune in again next time. If you enjoyed this program, please make a tax-deductible gift to WDFH. We can't do programs like this without your support. Visit WDFH.org and click on Donate. Thanks. Thanks.